Hello, everyone, and welcome to Seek Search. I'm your host, John Bingham, and I'm thankful for our time together. Our starting point for today is Hebrews 11.6, a passage that we referenced before. The New International Version says it this way, And without faith, it is impossible to please God, because anyone who comes to Him must believe that He exists and that He rewards those who earnestly seek Him. For now, we're going to focus on this first part of the foundation to our faith. We must believe that He exists. You might think, well, of course I already believe He exists. Why spend any more time on that? Well, first, every once in a while, isn't it good to just be reminded and encouraged in what we already know? We shouldn't take this foundation for granted. We need to build and strengthen it from time to time. Besides, it's interesting what the Apostle Peter wrote about why he wrote his letters. 2 Peter 1, verses 12 through 15, the New International Version again says, So I will always remind you of these things, even though you know them, and are firmly established in the truth you now have. I think it is right to refresh your memory as long as I live in the tent of this body, because I know that I will soon put it aside as our Lord Jesus Christ has made clear to me. And I will make every effort to see that after my departure, you will always be able to remember these things. There is value in reminding and in being reminded. Well, secondly, we need to be prepared to help others to believe that he exists. Back in 1 Peter chapter 3, and verse 15, and this from the English Standard Version, it says, But in your hearts honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect. It is one thing for us to have faith that God exists. It's another level to be prepared to give a reason to others. And let's think about this word reason for just a bit. God does not expect or require that our faith in him is a blind faith. Much to the contrary, faith in God, that he exists, and all that he's done and continues to do for us, that's not blind at all. It is what is reasonable. God expects us to use our minds and reason and to come to what is the reasonable conclusion. Previously, we read from Acts chapter 17 when Paul was in Athens. Notice verse 17 in that chapter. So he was reasoning in the synagogue with the Jews and the God-fearing Gentiles, and in the marketplace every day with those who happened to be present. Paul's teaching was an appeal based on reason and truth about God. Multiple times in the book of Acts, Paul's teaching is described this way. As just one other example, consider Acts 18, verses 8 through 10. The New American Standard Bible, that version says, 
And he entered the synagogue and continued speaking out boldly for three months, reasoning and persuading them about the kingdom of God. But when some were becoming hardened and disobedient, speaking evil of the way before the people, he withdrew from them and took away the disciples, reasoning daily in the school of Tyrannus. This took place for two years so that all who lived in Asia heard the word of the Lord, both Jews and Greeks. So he was reasoning in the synagogue, and when he was turned out from there, he found a location where he'd be able to continue with the disciples and spread the news to all who lived in Asia by reasoning daily in the school of Tyrannus. So let's use proper reasoning so that we build this foundation of our faith. Well, let me just make the claim up front. It is reasonable to believe that God exists. Now, the scriptures talk about that in a, in a number of different places, but I love to start with Psalm 19. Psalm 19, verses 1 through 6. The heavens are telling of the glory of God, and their expanse is declaring the work of his hands. Day to day pours forth speech, and night to night reveals knowledge. There is no speech, nor are there words, their voice is not heard. Their line has gone out through all the earth and their utterances to the end of the world. In them he has placed a tent for the sun, which is as a bridegroom coming out of his chamber. It rejoices as a strong man to run his course. Its rising is from one end of the heavens and its circuit to the other end of them, and there is nothing hidden from its heat. Do we stop to consider the reality of God by the existence of the complexity of the heavens? Sometimes I think, especially in uh, city circumstances, we end up having a situation where we don't slow down and we don't look up and with the light pollution or whatnot, we don't take in the joy and the wonder of the heavens like we should. Out in the country, it's easier to look up in the sky and just be in awe of that aspect of creation. But the fact is, the heavens are incredible, and the complexity of the heavens are still trying to be understood. And you might recall some of the unique aspects of the Earth's precise location within the galaxy, which makes the existence and perpetuation of life possible. If we were a little bit closer to the sun, we'd burn up. If we were a little bit further away, we'd freeze. All these different things, the tilt of the axis being able to bring us life-giving aspects of how the seasons change. All those things are true if we think about the heavens and our relationship to that here on earth. The heavens are just one aspect that pours forth speech about God. When you consider the heavens, what do they make you think? Well, let's look back at verse 2 and following just to 
enjoy this argument a little bit more. It says, day to day pours forth speech and night to night reveals knowledge. But then it switches and says, there is no speech, nor are there words. Their voice is not heard. What does that mean? Well, it means if we pay attention to the creation, day after day we'll run into things that make us understand there is a God. Not that the creation says directly in our language there is a God that we hear audibly, but anywhere in the earth the utterance of the reality of this has got to be created, this has got to be designed, is obvious if we'll pay attention. That's what verse 3 and 4 end up saying. And then verses 4 on through verse 6 talks about, hey, just look at the sun and how powerful the sun is, how regularly it is coming up and going down, and we count on it. And we can't escape the heat that it gives. All those realities, that's just one little aspect. And so thinking about that ends up giving us perspective and giving us assurance there is a God. But let's also consider a totally different aspect. Looking at Psalm chapter 139, verses 13 and 14, the New King James Version says, For you formed my inward parts. You covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works, and that my soul knows very well. You know, I love the facts that we are discovering in modern science. Sometimes it's felt like, well, it's science versus belief in God. But if you look at the facts that we are discovering in modern science, those advancements are revealing the next and the next and the next layers of the complexity of how life exists. Whether you look at and understand the structure of the cell and all of the components within it, if you look at and understand what DNA is and how it works, if you look at what all is necessary in the components of blood for blood to function properly in the body, all of these different things we could delve into and spend a lot of time on in order to say, how could that have happened? Does this reasonably point to random chance bringing it all about? Or does that point to there's got to be a designer? There was a very simple example that I had a little while back about the complexity of the existence of life, especially just the human body itself. Sometime back, I was reviewing some basics of anatomy and physiology with uh, my daughter with her junior high-level curriculum, and it was just talking about how bones exist and that the bones have ligaments and cartilage with it, and then there's the muscle, and there's the skin, and there's the nerves, and there's the blood vessels to bring the blood to and from. Just that little aspect of thinking about the construction of the body points us right back to the idea, you formed my inward parts. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works. That's just a part of the understanding 
of the human body. Again, does this reasonably point to random chance or a designer? Another example that I'll mention briefly and delicately for the audience is simply, think about this, the existence of both male and female aspects of the system of reproduction. How did both of those roles, in sufficient complexity for them to work, how did those develop and appear simultaneously if it was without design? The existence of male and female points to a designer. Beyond the immense complexity just within human life, the vast array of all life forms is incredible for us to consider. And the interdependence of the ecosystem magnifies the scope of the problem of attempting to explain our existence simply by time and chance. So whatever level you want to think about and look at in the creation tells us clearly there is a designer. And so no wonder David declares in the Psalms, Psalm 14 and verse 1, the fool says in his heart there is no God. Now I don't quote that scripture to denigrate or to incite a negative reaction. I really reach out to that scripture in order to appeal to reason and prod the hearer to consider all the creation so that we can come to a wise conclusion. But if one looks at all of these things in creation and comes to a conclusion there is no God, that isn't wise. We need to say this clearly, but we don't need to say it from a heart of anger or frustration or anything to denigrate. We do need to say it clearly, though, with a heart of love trying to prod people to become attracted to the truth. All right, well, let me break for just a minute here and simply pause to say I would love to hear from you. Feel free to reach out to me with your comments or questions. My email address is seeksearch at yahoo.com. That's all one word, seeksearch at yahoo.com. And if you want to link to me in Facebook, look up Seek Search as two words and like the page. I look forward to connecting with you in these ways. So let's go back. And I want to uh, look at things from a few other thought experiments just to add to the appreciation that we might have about this. I saw a couple of news reports, and I wanted to share these with you because I thought they were interesting in the mix of these things. There was one news report a while back. It was a few years ago. And uh, the news report was somewhere in California in one of the local city parks where um, all of a sudden there was buzz in the community because at the base of the tree there was a small elf door. Think about Keebler elves or whatever like that. There was a small elf door that was nice and had a little door handle, had the hinges on there and all that kind of stuff, at a little nook at the base of the tree. And you know what that news article didn't do? The news article did not speculate whatsoever how natural forces brought that about over however many years. 
the immediate logical question was, who ended up putting that there? Because everyone knows, even with a little door that has little hinges that work and it opens and shuts and all that kind of stuff, everyone looked at that and the immediate reaction was, somebody did that. Now, whether or not you question the intelligence of the designer who did that, that's its own thing. But what, what was so interesting was, of course no one said, how did that get there? by nature only and not by some designer. I think the application is obvious, right? Well, there's a second illustration. There ended up being a news report. I think it was out of Florida a few years ago. And when I saw this news report, the same thing came to my mind, and it was there was a grand piano that was sitting out on a sand dune off the coast, and it was just abandoned out there. And so the question was, and, you know, they were trying to figure out, who put that out there? You know, not a single person thought to, to try to come up with a story that said, well, the waves came together, and uh, by the passage of time and the working of the waves and this, that, and the other, um, this grand piano was assembled and then appeared there. And so I don't want to say this in a sarcastic or mocking way. I want to say this in a just appeal to reason way. It says it was logical. It was reasonable. The only reasonable way to think about that was to ask the question, why did somebody put that there? And there was some sort of being that placed that grand piano in the middle of that um, sand dune. Those are just other examples that I ran across, like the old watch example or whatnot. But you think about a watch. Is it reasonable to think that came by chance? A phone, a computer, a car, a house, an airplane— all of those things, the only reasonable thing to think is that came by design. It's not reasonable to claim anything else. And yet none of them compare to everything that God has designed in all of its complexity and interdependence for us to live in today. So maybe we need to ask, which type of explanation depends on faith, a system of belief? Does random chance depend on faith, or does design depend on faith? Actually, both depend on faith. We don't know everything about the origins because we weren't there and we didn't have it observed. So both systems, thinking everything came by chance, or understanding there's a God who designed things, both of those are going to be a belief system. Then the question is, which belief is actually more reasonable in explanation of everything we see? And the reasonable explanation is, there's a God, there's a designer. But if we as a society don't properly recognize God, then what's going to happen in society? 
notice the next thing that's said back in Psalm 14, verse 1. When it first says, the fool says in his heart, there is no God, it then starts to go into the consequences of that. They are corrupt. They do abominable deeds. There is none who does good. And it continues with a description of that. But you know what? There is a description in great detail in Romans chapter 1. Verses 18 and following says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men, who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. Because what may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has shown it to them. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Because although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God, nor were thankful, but became futile in their thoughts, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools and changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like corruptible man and birds and four-footed animals and creeping things. Therefore, God also gave them up to uncleanness in the lusts of their hearts to dishonor their bodies among themselves, who exchanged the truth of God for the lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the Creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. For this reason God gave them up to vile passions, and it goes on and gives the description of how society deteriorates over time. And I would invite you to read the rest of the chapter and dive into that. There may be some other time uh, whenever we are able to talk about that in more detail. But what I want to point to you in the time we have remaining, I want to point out that in contrast to this decline when we don't recognize that God exists, we have an opening statement right before this whole passage in Romans chapter 1, verses 16 and 17. Romans 1, 16 and 17. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. The word gospel is good news. The end of Romans is a lot of bad news. But Paul earlier says, I'm not ashamed of the good news of Christ. For it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. Acknowledging the reality of our Creator, this psalm is a fitting conclusion for our discussion today. Psalm 8, the New King James Version. O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is your name in all the earth, who have set your glory above the heavens. Out of the mouth of babes and nursing infants you have ordained strength because of your enemies, that you may silence the enemy and the avenger. When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon, the stars which you have ordained, what is man that you are mindful of him? and the Son of Man, that you visit him. For you have made him a little lower than the angels, and you have crowned him with glory and honor. 
You have made him to have dominion over the works of your hands. You have put all things under his feet. All sheep and oxen, even the beasts of the field, the birds of the air and the fish of the sea that pass through the paths of the sea. O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is your name in all the earth. All we can say to that is, Amen. Well, that wraps up our time for today. Thank you so much for listening. May we seek God and seek his things and seek his ways by searching the scriptures. I hope this has been a blessing to you. You have been listening to Seek Search. I'm your host, John Bingham. You can contact me by emailing seeksearch at yahoo.com. On Facebook, get connected by liking the Seek Search page. I hope you'll join me each Saturday at noon for the next edition of Seek Search.